0: And now, a word from our sponsors.
1: He accelerates through his wrist for that mainly. No wrist can generate that much pace by itself. It's timing first and foremost.
2: Yours can, with all the fucking wanking you do to Messi all goddamn day.
1: (laughs) Greatest pro athlete I've ever seen and it's not particularly close. Take off those shades and watch a real sport. Look at you elitist snobs watching exclusively white or exclusively American sports. What is the NBA or the NFL exclusively white and how is tennis exclusively American? That is why I used an R. Neither applies to either. NBA, NFL exclusively American, tennis exclusively white, so both limited.
3: Tell that to Serena.
1: Knew someone would say this and Omnish would like it as if it supported his argument. It's a question of proportions. Serena, Venus, Ash, and who else? In 50 years of the open era? Take Moffees, Songha, Sanya, Mirza, Bade, Phupati, DFO, Stephens, Osaka, Nishikori, Chung, Nishioka, Felix, Kirio. Kyrgios, Blake, Chung, Nishioka, clutching at straws. Are we just naming non-white tennis players now? And Phil liked that tweet but he agrees with me here. Is there an achievement non-white tennis players need to unlock to be considered tennis players? majority of the white players out there are less notable than these guys. Be number one and the face of the sport for years, for starters. Dominate the top ten for years. What does this have to do with whether tennis is an exclusively white sport or not? The more top players from different backgrounds there are, The more accessible and democratic a sport is.
3: I mean, if you're gonna call a sport exclusively white, these are the answers you're gonna get. You should have said rich people's sport, or until until recently was mostly
1: for rich white people.
4: This is so far past wherever this conversation started.
1: First of all, I have zero
4: filter on what comes out of my mouth.
1: Second of all, there
4: are you guys talking about my mom? Well, that hey how's he mouth. doing? Our R.S. is in the jackpot. We don't do something there. That, I'm just telling you that. This is the Code podcast.
0: Episode eight.
4: Is that where we're at? I think so. Sure.
0: I mean, if you call the um, Phil solo episode an, an actual episode, then this is eight.
4: Okay. And then I do. I mean, this is we. This is the new season, so we might as well call it a reboot. This is season two. Oh God, that's a lot of pressure.
2: Sophomore slump.
4: <laughs> yeah. Does that mean we didn't get canceled? We're
2: fucked. Uh, I don't know of anyone canceling oh. us. I mean, other than the people who canceled me. Otherwise.
4: <laughs> hey Phil, can you turn your mic up? Um, I don't know how.
0: Can you get closer to it? Yes. Thank you. Much appreciated.
4: So what you just heard was, it's a snapshot, a snapshot of Twitter on a daily basis. And and normally there's more Phil involved in this, but it's our friends uh, Avnish and Ajinkya with a little bit of, well, her name isn't actually Ariana, but we don't know what her name is. So Ariana Grande of of tennis, um, arguing. And I mean, in this case, they were arguing about something that was... That was kind of interesting, but that's often not the case.
0: That was also about one-third of that particular thread, too. Um, And it was almost two and a half minutes. So,
4: Yeah, that's probably enough. Although I got
0: some good outtakes from Ariana when we did her recording session. She had something to say about each of us and also something to say about Nadal.
4: Oh, okay. She's never shy of saying things about Nadal. No, or you. Yeah, I don't know what her deal is with me.
0: Well, I can tell you right now because because she said it.
3: I hate Matt Chris.
0: (laughs) Well, she likes Phil.
3: I want Phil to slide into my DMs. That's got (laughs)
4: to (laughs) go. I don't know. She doesn't listen to this anyway. I mean,
2: that's true. But somebody would tell her.
3: I want Phil to slide into my DMs.
4: (laughs) I already have. I have as well because I asked her to do the recording for oh, this, yeah. and then she didn't do it. So, <laughs> what do you mean she didn't do it?
3: I hate Matt Corey and his stupid bassoon. He's also very old.
4: <laughs> so basically, we, we've already we've descended to a clip show, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah.
3: Nadal is a bald-headed ape on steroids.
4: <laughs> oh man,
2: <laughs> were were we planning to provide our own commentary on? the the subject of that tweet disaster or we're we just going to let it, let it stand as is.
0: Let's go back to the tweet thing and then we can talk about Osaka. What was the thesis that tennis is a sport for privileged white people?
4: Yeah, the white wasn't, um, if you heard of, uh, a jinka's clarification, it was exclusively white or exclusively rich. So exclusively white, or exclusively American. So yeah, I actually, yeah, tennis is exclusively white. That was the, the argument. And then That was not the argument.
2: That was the that was the way it was articulated and why everything became such a disaster. <laughs> I think the argument was that tennis is a sport predominantly for yes. Western European white people. That would have been a better word. Oh, I know. But he acknowledged pretty early on that His choice of phrasing was less than ideal. And that's when Ariana came in with that pretty savage tweet. And You know, her comment, tell that to Serena. That's why I wasn't saying anything, because Zajiki was just getting his ass handed to him, and it was beautiful to watch. But, I, I mean, I think a fair counterpoint to that would be, you know, tell Serena that this sport is not overly white and racist. And she might have a few stories to tell you, like, how she hasn't been able to participate in the tournament that's going on now for 10 years because of racism she endured. And our gratitude to them all three of them for for being good sports and and providing the voiceovers so that we could have this bit since we don't really have any more material for the show.
3: You're welcome.
2: <laughs> it's interesting that she also joined the podcast. Well, welcome Ariana. Thanks thanks for joining us.
3: You're welcome. <laughs>
4: <laughs> she She doesn't even aware that she joined the podcast. That's the impressive part
0: okay, so um today's the Indian Wells final. We're recording this a few hours before that goes down, and that was not the plan all along for this <laughs> podcast, but we've had numerous technical difficulties, some yesterday, some today, some still happening ongoing. This wasn't meant to be an Indian wells podcast, but we're On the day of the final, and then we're headed into Miami, the second half of the Sunshine Double, which um, is not going to be uh, a Nadal conquest.
4: Be a Nadal-free tournament.
0: I don't even want to go now.
4: Let's bury Nadal right now. How about that? Okay. Um, So Phil and I, when, when you were unable to participate in the fake podcast yesterday, Phil was actually saying quite sincerely how difficult it would get it would be to be a fan of Nadal because of the the injury stuff so i don't know if he wants to talk about that now or but i'll i'll leave that open to him it, it would just be
2: very hard for me to be an Nadal fan because you know um, unlike the other top players this fear that you know he could be playing really well and just have a tournament ending injury in basically any hard court event would be excruciating for me and so, you know, with a lot of respect for what Nadal fans have to go through from that angle. That's it.
0: Once you saw the tape emerge onto his knee, you knew there was no way he was even finishing the tournament, let alone winning it, let alone playing the next one. So I'm not really expecting to see him until May.
4: Is that one Monte Carlos? I don't even know.
0: I was thinking about Roland Garros, but...
4: He needs the lead up. I guess we'll find out.
0: He had to have known when, he, when his knee was hurting him when he was playing Karen that Mm -hmm. he wasn't going to probably be able to A, either complete that match or uh, had it gone to a third set, I'm not sure he would have played it. And then almost certainly knew he wasn't going to be able to compete against Roger with that kind of pain. Would it have been better if he had retired from that match so that instead of Roger getting a walkover, there could have been a semi with Karen and Roger or is there a reason why he didn't do that.
2: Who would who would possibly say that?
0: Well, everyone on That's Twitter. That's what I'm
2: asking. Probably. They're not saying that, are they? That Nadal should have retired because, th- because there was enough certainty that he wouldn't be able to compete the next day? Well,
4: I think a few people said something along those lines. But no, I mean, I agree with you. And especially, it's Nadal. He's not going to, if he has a chance to win the match, he's not going to not do it. It's professional sports. From a fan
0: perspective, if he knew that he wasn't gonna play, then that's better for the for the fans if there's a real semi.
4: But it's t- I mean, people were coming out and now like this is being floated out like it's a like this is a real thing. This is something that should happen. So they're saying, okay, so in a situation like this, so we get to the semifinal and this happens, one of the winners pulls out, you should do like a lucky loser format and have the losing quarter finalists come back in. And people are like, yeah, it's about time. And not just like random Twitter people, but like Brad Gilbert and Pam Shriver. And like, no, I don't know. Crazy. Does not that not seem crazy? But Brad Gilbert's a little bit weird. That seems crazy. Well, I mean, fine. Brad Gilbert, whatever. And but Chris Clary. No, Pam Shriver. Nobody did. gives a shit what he says. He's a the lead tennis reporter for the New York Times. So I would. Dispute that no one gives a shit what he says.
2: No, no, no. I, you're right. People give a shit what he says, but they know that what he says is often stupid, like that.
3: <laughs> Morgado is the best journalist.
2: Morgado, yes,
4: yes. No, no dispute there. So basically, we don't have like we don't even have anyone willing to play devil's advocate on this lucky loser quarterfinalist thing. No. So how about like if the highest. Seed. Then, if the highest seed that's out goes back in,
0: you have, you'd have to start breaking out all the asterisks for tournaments where that happened.
4: Well, basically, what I'm trying to do is I'm I'm doing the slippery slope argument, which is you know it's a it's a logical fallacy. But I think in in this case, it's sort of like, well, where where would you stop? Where would you start? Where would you stop? Why? But, but maybe this is pointless. Like maybe this is just something that it's like Miami on green clay. It was never anything that had any legitimate <laughs> chance of happening no. correct the,
2: the thing is there is no slippery slope anyway because i would i would stop it exactly where they do stop it if you lose a match and it's not the stupid round robin format but an actual real tennis tournament that's single elimination and you lose a match you're eliminated no changing that nadal won that match only nadal can advance he couldn't play eh, that's life
0: all right. Well, we'd like to thank everyone who made season two of Code Violation such a great success. <laughs> that was my co-host, episode? Phil Stoller, oh Matt Kriz. Uh, we appreciate your support and we look forward to talking to you I, I, next I, I year.
2: I was muted basically the whole time eating my lunch. He's like, that's it. Waiting until it was my turn. <laughs> Forget it.
1: Oh,
4: it was a joke. Calm down.
0: Yeah, it was a joke.
4: It was a good joke. All right, let's do Osaka and then I don't know how much else we have to say. Can we just do Phil's topic after that? Which was my topic, Free riff. Well, yeah, if we leave Osaka to the end, people might actually wait and listen through the whole thing. I don't know, we'll see.
0: That's one one way to look at it, but go ahead, Phil. Free riff. Phil gets a free riff.
2: Why don't we do Osaka and I'll think about it? <laughs> you do what you want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, just today in the Sun Sentinel Dave Hyde wrote a piece about Osaka and how she trained on half a dozen courts here in South Florida when she was a junior and her family had uh very little money and her dad would basically negotiate with tennis pros at the local clubs and like pick up balls and do random odd jobs and help in any way that he could in exchange for these pros to uh to train Naomi and and her sister and the article was very long we'll make sure to put a a link to it as Matt said uh privately to us it doesn't really paint Naomi in a bad light but it does kind of show some of her naivete
4: yeah I would say I mean I again this is cancellation episode I would say that's not that's what I take away from reading the article so that's how it seems like it's framed, and I don't as as you said, I don't think that there's any sort of intention on the on behalf of the journalist here to to make any accusations or anything. He's really just he's reporting I think that's the best way to put it he's reporting it, he's putting it out there, but the way that it is reported makes it seem like um yeah, that naomi's w well, she probably has been fairly naive about stuff like this, and that She moves on. It the she and the family, the way that it's displayed here, they move on from things and don't look back. Right? Is that fair?
0: Yeah, that's fair. And that was kind of the takeaway that I had too. Uh, It seems like the pros at these clubs, when they realized that they were dealing with someone special, were cool with helping out, but they kind of would say, "Hey, don't forget about me when when she's a star," and none of them really have heard. A peep from that family. Mm. So that's a little sad.
4: And there's a lawsuit. I, I can't really see it getting any traction because it's, um, what if the, guy? it was one of, it was her coach when she was 14 or something. It was another Haitian. So her father would, her father would, it seemed like he would, he would seek out like French speakers or Haitian connections to sort of, um, make sure that he could get get them in there. Um, and so this guy, Jean is his last name, is I think suing them for a contract that they apparently signed, well, that the father signed, put both girls' names on it for 20% of their, like, earnings? Forever? Is that what it is?
0: I thought he was saying that after they he trained her like $300 worth, they just stopped showing up. So I didn't realize it was that Big of he a number. He trained them
4: for a long time. I'm gonna see if I have it still there. Twenty percent
0: is pretty incredible.
4: Well, it's just—I mean, it's—it's it's ludicrous, right? Like nobody's gonna award that. Like, come on, you coached her when she was when she was 14, and uh, you have another coach later saying it doesn't really matter who coached her; she's that good. <laughs> just an interesting sort of uh, come back to to uh, talking about her last coach, uh, Bayin who a lot of people were sort of uh, calling like a guru or something, a Svengali for her. Maybe not. Um, I'm trying to find it anyway. You you guys can. One thing that shouldn't be lost
0: in all of this. Oster is a champion. Yes. That's true. She's in Miami now, right? She sure is.
2: If Miami was changed to green clay like it was supposed to be,
4: (laughs) she would win.
1: That article was disgusting, honestly.
4: What was disgusting? <laughs> oh, I see. Never mind. Never mind.
2: Yeah, don't bite the hand that feeds you.
4: I'm trying to do things, two things at once here. here it is. Here it is. So another coach, this is his name, Christophe Jean, was more than disappointed that his two years of coaching the daughters with no pay remains unrewarded. He filed a lawsuit in February, so I'm assuming this February, over a contract signed by Francois, that's uh, Naomi's dad, whom everyone calls Max, in 2011, granting the coach 20% of the uncertain future earnings from the daughters.
0: That sounds pretty black and white.
4: Yeah, but it's signed by the dad for minors. The dad does not have control of Naomi's career, I would imagine. They didn't sign it. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm sure that for one thing, I'm sure that Osaka herself has a better lawyer than, than Christoph. Well But interesting. Some lawyer decided it was worth taking on. Well, because think of the payout. Exactly. But I don't know. I mean this is sort of the sideshow in some some respects. Like I said, I would I would imagine this would get thrown out. I would imagine that Osaka will get questions on this. You'd think. I don't know that she'd answer them. Um, but I think what, what actually this comes back to is sort of the, the, we kind of put it in as a joke, but it's the discussion about the exclusively white, exclusively sort of rich aspect of tennis, that the fact is that without her, do- um, Naomi's dad doing all this stuff, doing odd jobs, getting them, you know, in some cases, just not paying people, we wouldn't have this world number one player who comes from obviously not a privileged background and who is uh, Japanese, who is um, part Haitian, like all of these things, right, that sort of makes tennis not this sport for rich white people, basically. But the only way that she got there is sort of by having her dad bend the rules and that sort of thing. So it, it, well, I don't know. It, it, It makes for a larger discussion. I just,
0: yeah. I think it was later in the article. It seemed like that once Naomi went to Japan and that became her her training ground and you know they were the ones offering to bring her up that all like that was the end of everything here in the states.
4: Well, she signed with IMG. And I I can't remember the timeline exactly on that, but she did like yeah, then they basically had some money.
0: Yeah, and it so seemed it like wasn't. like that's when, when everyone was really forgotten at that point. Yeah. Which would make it's sense. So
4: long, losers. Yeah. There's probably, that's the thing, is that we know this story because there's a report on it, because Osaka's famous. But I mean, how, in, how many other stories are like this for tennis players? Like, how Matt. many coaches get left behind? Matt. Y- yes?
0: She's a disgusting, hideous pusher.
4: Not Bianca Andreescu.
0: Does she have a chance today?
4: Uh well, she was basically it looked like she was cramping at the end of the Fidelina match, so if Kerber can make it physical and it's in the middle of the day, I would lean towards Kerber. but I mean, she's been she seems to have this ability it it honestly looked like to uh to bring up one of our favorite characters it it looked like the Nick curios match in Acapulco against Stan, where in that third set it looked like Nick couldn't move. And Stan was aware of this, and he still couldn't win the match. And that was the same thing with the third set in Svitolina's match. Like, she actually got it back on serve, and she could not get the ball out of the strike zone of Andreescu. And and Bianca, or BB, I guess is how she likes to be called, was just slapping winners. And it worked. Yeah. It was a crazy match. So, I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't know that much about her. I know that she's been around in juniors for... um, like, she was the top junior. She's won, like, one junior U.S. Open. She's not somebody that came out of nowhere. Um, in a sense, like Osaka did. Osaka didn't even play juniors. So she's definitely a known figure, but this is one of those things that's just, like, coming, getting into the Indian Wells final is kind of out of nowhere.
0: Is she Canadian?
4: Yes, she was born in Mississauga.
0: Oh, okay. That name struck, struck me as a Romanian name.
4: It is. Her parents are Romanian, but she is born in Canada.
0: Phil, did you come up with your topic?
4: No, no. I didn't. <laughs> Baseball?
2: I guess I didn't really have one.
4: Um there there are other things. If you want it, there's a couple things that uh that we have for you. I I'm
2: finished with my lunch now, so I'm ready to talk about things.
4: All right. There's complexity and superiority, a debate. I don't know about that. And there's revisiting the GOAT debate, Novak. That sounds fantastic. Next. Um Well, you already wrote your article, so we could plug your article if you want. But beyond that, I don't think we need to revisit it. Nope. Um, (laughs) There's Novak Djokovic. That's all. Goat. And then I think this is the one that you might seize on. There's Federer's tournament wins to get to. 100 and i have a list of tournaments that he won and um, 98 99 and 100 and including 101 which may be happening today so i have this list um with the tournaments won and the players he beat all right
2: let's do a roll call starting with title 98 the the beginning of the path to 100 stuttgart or as someone spelled Mm -hmm. it in or is that how it's spelled Stuttgart? Stuttgart. that's embarrassing yeah, that's terrible. Um, so Federer won some match. I, I think it's a sanctioned tournament, a 250 on, on grass. Um, but, you know, technically it counts. So 98 was won at Stuttgart. His run, um, and as we all know, 250s are generally only four rounds. So tremendous triumphs. Uh, round one, a rousing victory over Misha Zverev, able to weather that servant vo- yeah. volley storm. <laughs> Magnificent noted grass quarter. <laughs> yes, beat, beat him on his favorite surface. After that, Guido Peya, known to others including himself as Guido Pella, um other than some other than some title earlier this year, I don't think he's otherwise reached a quarterfinal in his life. Um Nick Kyrgios, always an impressive win, and Milos Raonic, two credible ending opponents, <laughs> nowhere near the top 10. It's not bad for a 250. Um, ninety nine was Basel, his home tournament. Always a pleasure to see him win that. <coughs> Throw a little pizza party for the ball boys. Charming. Uh, in that match, he had a murderer's row of Krajinovic. He actually had a good match in Indian Wells, but he was not good in Basel. Thin man, Jan Leonard Struff, mm-hmm. Gil Simone.
4: Daniel Medvedev. That we, we we remember that episode, that particular match.
2: Oh, that's right. So if if you guys want to. If you guys want to listen to commentary about that match, um, that's probably our last episode of Code Violation. And then a rousing final against Marius Kopiel who has since retired. <laughs> um, and then fast forward to Dubai, the, inf- the famous number 100. Round one, rousing win against Kohlschreiber. Hey, I mean, I can't do anything to dismiss that. That's, that's an impressive <laughs> win. Round two, Verdasco in a hard court. Magnificent. Round three, Fuksovich. Round four, Chorich. And round five, oh, Tsitsipas. So close to being a top 10 victory, but he was not top 10 until the following day.
3: I hate Greeks.
2: Okay, Ariana. That's terrible. Ariana
4: has so many opinions.
2: Anyway, title 101 Gore, Goj. 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 Goj goyev one of those two gorbachev federer tore down that wall round two against a completely dead stan Vavrinka, who played i think four to five hours
4: against um was it
2: fukcevich the day before
4: yeah i mean that that match really basically should have an asterisk yeah stan didn't show up there
2: um Round three against Kyle Edmund. He spent most of that match aiming at the net with high success. Uh, round four against Hercax. I, I don't even know who he is. I think he just snuck into the quarterfinals. Uh, semi-final was the aforementioned walkover against Rafa Nadal. And in the final is a top 10 player, the hardcourt legend Dominic Thiem. So my heartfelt and not at all salty congratulations to Roger Federer on the job
4: well done for these four titles. All right, I'm done. It was an impressive run. Do you think he can get back to number one? No, of course not. Should I expound on that?
2: I thought you were going to entertain the notion. No, I entertained it. There's no chance.
0: It's simple maths.
2: It's simple maths. He doesn't play enough, and there are too many 250s and 500s that he's – kind of beholden to either because they're on grass which he needs to play or because they're basel which he needs to play that he's just not going to be able to play enough majors i I mean masters i mean he could have this fluke run and win wimbledon in the u.s open but no he will never be number one in the world again nor by the way will nadal which is why i'm asking the question which nobody answers which is who will be the next world number one
4: Félix Auger Aliasim. Nah. I don't actually believe that. I just wanted to say his name. It's funny. It seems like commentators can
2: pronounce his name pretty well, considering how difficult it is. But it's been like five years and they can't even come close to saying shop of olive. <laughs>
4: That's so true.
2: It's like,
4: it seems like it just rolls off the tongue for them. Well, the British, they, they can usually pronounce French because they're... They need to make fun of the. They make fun of the French all the time, so they need to know how to say things.
2: But no, I I mean I'm thinking of not just British people because I have to endure like Mary Carillo and Jim Courier and stuff, and all these Tennis Channel guys seem to be able to do it. Maybe for them it's because they saw the name and it was so hard that they practiced,
4: or it's just because he literally is like he's the most hyped young player since. Probably Djokovic. Really? Since Gasquet. Or, yeah, maybe since Gasquet. I mean,
2: more and this hype is being built more than by Morgato?
4: Yeah, no, I mean he's been Brad Gilbert, to bring Gilbert up oh, wow. again, has been talking about Felix for at least four years. Really? Yeah. Saying he's gonna be like he's gonna be it.
2: He was fourteen.
4: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, when he was fourteen he was he was already like five ten when he was fourteen. Like he was already kind of built, so he's been he's been kicking butt for that long wow that's crazy this is canada's the new face of tennis or something
0: all right so i'm hitting this theme for real
4: this time all right yeah that's enough what am i doing with the coffee chat publishing it on my blog
0: (laughs) no um we'll probably release it as a like a mini episode teaser in between this one and the next one
4: what happened at that coffee chat
0: I do have some production notes for that for myself, so I'm I'm planning to work on it. Alright. But we'll get this out first. Cool. Alright everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks Ajinkia. Thanks Ariana. Thanks Avnish, Matt, Kriz, Phil Stoller, MC Sound Design here, Matt Corey. We'll catch you next time on Code Violation.
4: I really had to pee, and I didn't want you to hear me pee.